Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past weekend in racing and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, Luis Torres, Richard Uden. Fellas, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Still recovering from a humid Nashville. Humid Nashville, <laughs> yes. Well, we'll we'll get into talking about Nashville and all the... Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly about Nashville. But uh, I would be remiss if we didn't open up the show without remembering a certain Mr. Bob Jenkins who passed away a few days ago. Um, as you know, Bob Jenkins has been embroiled in a batter with lung cancer. He stepped away uh, from broadcasting uh, a couple of years ago. There are many tributes for him at that time, folks that wish him well. But, uh, I mean, honestly, here's a guy – who's been in broadcasting most of my life and Louise likely all of your life. And, and he's, you know, been involved with, uh, um, IMS radio, IMS track announcer, the Indianapolis, uh, 500 television broadcast. He was uh, very active in the early years of ESPN. He used to co-host Thursday night thunder with Larry Newber. He was part of the NASCAR broadcast team with, uh, Ned and Benny. Um, and he's just, he's been in motor racing as long, as long as I can remember, he's always just, just been a wonderful personality for the sport, uh, knowledgeable, easy to listen to, um, explain stuff to you. And, and like, you know, the, what the quality I love in most broadcasters is excitable because he'll be, he'll be forever known for the call on the 92 Indy 500, you know, where he says, uh, the checkered flag is out. Goodyear makes the move. Al Unser Jr. wins by just a few tenths of a second, perhaps the closest finish in the history of the Indianapolis 500. And that, I mean, that has been played and played and played. And it ranks right up there in one of the greatest calls in all of sports, not all of motorsports, all of sports. I mean, it ranks right up there with uh, Ned Jarrett uh, calling his uh, um, son, uh, Dale, when the 500, it ranks right up there with any Super Bowl touchdown pass. So, uh, I mean, Godspeed to, to Bob Jenkins. Um, you know, we're going to miss that guy. No, for sure. For sure. And it's, it's very surreal to think that his last 500 in this earth was the one where he he basically, for the last time, have witnessed all four of the four-time winners and I know 
on Friday, the Friday carb day, he was given the Robin Miller award. Also another guy that is fighting through a lot right as well. Even though <clears throat> I think just hear hear him no matter despite the conditions he was going through the last few months, it's one of those that I'll forever savor, savor the moment because I think it's he's always said it best that he's a race fan that got lucky. And I think this racing community are like have are forever lucky to have him around for over 40 years of just stock cars, open wheels. He, first and foremost, he is an open wheel guy at heart that some people will re- remember him as more of a stock car commentator, but he's both. But he'll tell, he'll, imagine he'll tell you first that he's the forever his heart indie car racing for sure. Yeah, well, the interesting thing is he was right there at the, I, I guess you might call it the cable TV revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when we went from motorsports was a little niche sport that you would maybe catch some highlights on ABC wild wide world of sports two weeks after the race or a little, you know, tidbit to actually seeing full live races flag to flag, which, you know, uh, you know, live as they happened, honestly never happened. And I, I saw a great little blurb. They were talking to Paul page um, when, when Bob Jenkins first signed with ESPN, he, he was, you know, kind of a little, curious as to what he was getting himself into. And he talked to Paul page and he says, Paul, what's, what is this ESPN? He says, he says, Bob, it's an all day, 24 hour sports network. It ain't going to last, but I'll tell you this, take the money and run. Well, uh, of course we know ESPN is still around today. Yeah. So, but, um, but yeah, Bob was right there at the, at the beginning when we first started to see live broadcast of, of auto races start to finish. I mean, if you recall, you know, the Indy 500 was, wasn't broadcast live until 1986, which seems like, you know, a lifetime ago for you young folks, but uh, you know, that was probably the 12th or 13th Indy 500 I'd seen. And the first time I was able to see it as it happened, you know, before then you had to make sure that uh, if your mom was driving to you to the grocery store, she didn't have a radio on. Cause that, that, that's, that's what happened to me in 82. Mom took me to the grocery store to grab some snacks for us to watch the Indy 500 later. And the, the, the radio announcer casually mentioned that Gordon John Cock had won the Indy 500. Oh boy. <laughs> and, and, and we all know how that one ended when I finally got to watch it, it was a nail biter, but I mean, knowing how it ended. So, but uh, yeah, but Bob was right there through, through all that time where, where motor racing coverage really took a leap out of the, uh, the the also other sports uh, to prominence of his own, and he and he was there every step of the way. And uh, again, like I said, he'll be dearly missed. Uh, now, Richard, do you have any any fond well, memories of Bob Jenkins or any good I Bob Jenkins stories? I must admit, it's it was probably somebody I was never really exposed to much. Uh, you know, in terms of my sort of coverage of of, of motorsports in the US, and uh, you know, the, whenever we watched sort of IndyCar or NASCAR or whatever it was in the UK, they had their own uh, announcers. Um, you know, when I sort of was, was in it, but I, you know, from what I've read over the last couple of days, you know, his sort of career and his style does sort of appear to parallel another, you know, great announcer that we lost earlier in the year from the UK side, in Murray Walker. Uh, you know, it does sound like they 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 were very similar in their style, and as you know, they use that phrase. They're just a fan that got lucky, uh, which I think is what it's all about. You know, it, it is when you have somebody that is just purely passionate about what they do, um, 
it uh, it makes it so much more entertaining for the uh, for the spectators and the listeners and the viewers. Yeah, but yeah, by by all accounts, Bob Jenkins was a huge race fan himself. They says sometimes in the evenings before the race broadcast that they couldn't find him. Why? Because he snuck off to some local short track to see who was racing. Then yeah. he then he'd come back and say, "I just saw this kid." name is Jeff Gordon. You're not going to believe how good this kid is, you know, and that's, that's another, that's that's another great Bob Jenkins story, but I think Bob Jenkins, Bob Jenkins himself put it best when he said, you know, I just wanted to be known as a guy who talked about racing on the radio, but for some, but for some reason, people liked me and, and, and gosh, you can't uh, simplify it any more than that because golly, I sure did like him. So, yep. All right. So let's, let's move on and talk about the Nashville race. Louise, you were there all weekend in the heat. Um, now Nashville is taking a little bit of a beating from fans as far as the race itself. But I think as an event, uh, as a, a event status, I think they nailed it. I, I think the city of Nashville did a fantastic job. Uh, they, they had plenty going on. Yeah. They had some, Growing pains here and there. They had some issues with volunteers not showing up at certain places, some issues with volunteers not being fully trained as to what they're doing. They had some issues with grandstands not being fully assembled until Sunday, uh, including the grandstand six, which is the one coming, you know, coming right off of the off of the bridge onto the main part of the course. That was uh, every seat was sold out, although they did finally get that thing put together in time for Sunday. Uh, but, but the race itself, little clunky, get it going. So Louise, I'll just, I'll just let you uh, <laughs> grab it from there a little bit. Let's say where, where do we begin? First of all, it, it looked like for a moment, it's going to be 26 cars out of 27 because Jimmy Johnson was not on the grid right away. And then I saw, uh, it's, I was at the entry of the bridge upwards start finish. It's not literally a start finish, but uh, on the way up to start finish Then I noticed that Johnson's car is like, Oh, he actually made the grid because I knew they were saying that he was going to get the car repaired because I looked back to Takuma Sato at Texas where he wrecked and qualified, couldn't get the car ready in time, had to take a, D- a DNS as and did not start. There was a four four hour window, which I think helped Johnson get in his 4018, get it going. But they also had a Alex Pillow backup ready. Right. It's just kind of if you think about it, it's kind of sad they do all this. The Carvana before every race does this whole thing, pick delivery. Yeah. yeah. No, and then this delivery they chose and he wrecked that one. So he ends up. It's a nice looking one. It's probably one of the more better ones compared to the ones in Port, the Port, the ones that Portland are offering. The the one in Nashville is far better. It's just simple, clean. But of course. Yeah, but yeah, but he, but he ends up with the NTT livery with, yeah. the, you know, 48 hastily put on it and the, and the Carvana nose. So, but that's yeah. a side, that's a side issue. Jimmy made the race, which was the important thing. Yeah, but good grief. Like, <laughs> first slap, first they couldn't make a one full lap without a yellow, and then they tried to get it going again, and then there was another yellow, and then I noticed that Polo, no, not Polo, Marcus Erickson's front wing was destroyed, and Bordet's rear wing was destroyed. So I was thinking, oh, geez, this is going to knock him out of the championship or be in the cusp, be in the title contender. I didn't find out what happened with with Erickson and Borde until late in the race when I was looking through Twitter, live tweeting whatever I could, like mostly the caution periods. Then I realized Erickson re- flew 
he plowed oh, into yeah. Bourdais and was just like the first, not the first time Bourdais has had a lot of incidents from behind. He's kind of, that's kind of been part of the tale of his season. Just gets r- completely ran in the back to and puts him out of contention. But er- Erickson, we'll talk more about him later, but it's just caution, breeze, caution. And then as I was working my way down to other parts of the track, then I heard there was a huge traffic jam. They had to stop the race immediately. Found out that it was a Penske disaster. Will Power had a couple moments not too good. Jimmy Johnson was involved. Cody Ware was involved. James Hinscliffe was stuck in that ordeal. There, it, it took like some of them five to ten minutes to finally get their cars out of the melee, like Ware and Hinchcliffe. And then Johnson w- was working on the car, but unlike in Formula One where you could get out of the car and work on the car, in any car it was unimproved. So Johnson was subsequently disqualified, finished 26 out of 27 instead of, you know, when you're disqualified, you fall down the order. Yeah, I, I thought that was a kind of a amateur move on the, the Ganassi crew to, to, to attempt to work on the car because uh, yeah. they obviously should know better. You know, they, they, I mean, they know that rule, and and to but get, did they work on it? I from watching the TV coverage, they just touched it. I, I saw Jimmy himself carrying a, the new nose to the front of the car. Is the I don't driver know. allowed to touch the car? Is it like World Rally where you know drivers are allowed to change a tire or whatever? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. It, 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 Probably not, it, because apparently right. all the other guys were in their cars. Those who were not damaged. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, but whatever they did, I, I just can't believe that they would have run afoul of such a simple rule and thrown the race away after, you know, Jimmy had a particularly tough weekend already. Maybe they were worried about damaging it too much, so they deliberately touched it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Pelot's backup car. We might need that. He's leading. Yeah, he's leading the championship. Mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's. Uh, oh, I touched it. It could, it could be semi. Could be semi-usable for Long Beach, which they're completely contrast, but there are street courses nonetheless. But once the red flag was lifted, we still had a couple cars, but it finally got a little bit better. I think what then the tire barrier, the water that poured out of the track that made the caution even longer. It was really pushing time because the race started at around 445 local, which was which is very, very late with sunset going down at 745 local. So you're pushing a real tight window with that first red flag. And then that long caution where they're trying to dry up the, the at speedy dryer, try and dry up that one portion of the track because and, and, apparently and for, somebody and, knocked over a water barrier or the rain from Saturday kind of. No, what, what, what I heard was that that came from either the the air conditioning in the suites or somebody had dumped their cooler out in, in the suites and it went onto the track. I mean, there's a couple Amazing. of contrasts. Amazing. But 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 it, it came from somebody in the suites right there. It didn't come from a wow. car or a water barrier. So, uh, yeah, but essentially I'm like, what are, what are you thinking, man? You know, dump your cooler out onto the track. If that's what yeah, I think there was a wall here, I can just dump it against the wall. It yeah, we'll just dump yeah. this over here. But uh, <laughs> the, 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 other, the other speculation that was the... Uh, the, the the air conditioner condenser oh catch valve whatever it catches the kind of seven air conditioner had overflowed or fall off or whatnot but yeah it was yeah i was walking down to to the panic area by that point and i noticed that there was water and all that and they were there were moments where they're having a hard time trying to get the cars through the area what uh 
needing to put the red flag because I think if they put the red flag on that moment, the race would have been shortened. It must it might run much longer than it would have. So I applaud IndyCar for at least trying to get it dried up, sacrifice some laps. But after that, it, it finally got some rhythm going with Colter Herta, who had a superb, almost a perfect weekend up to that point. And it, out of nowhere, Erickson, through strategy and cautions falling in, their, in his favor, he was back in the mix. He was, and actually was a strong contender. And then strat, more strategy came in where you had guys like Connor Daly and Robin Grosjean leading for a cup of coffee. And then I think it was the caution involving Cody Ware that changed the complexity of the game that kind of knocked and it really not Groshen out of the out of the running as far as the race win is concerned because Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Podcasting is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Introducing the science of a podcast, hosted by Spreaker from iHeart. This weekly podcast looks at the many sides of the podcasting industry, from success, growth, and technology to the varying challenges we all face. This is one podcast about podcasting you don't want to miss. New episodes launch every Tuesday. Listen to the science of a podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There was that moment where Groshan and Erickson were one, two. So if you remember Baku many, many years ago, they both had a moment, but I was like, okay, they had a moment in Baku, but it looks like maybe we're going to see a, a good moment between them, maybe fighting for the win. Not the case, as I mentioned with Groshan. So yeah, great. Yeah, Groshan got caught out on that yellow, and then Erickson managed to just save fuel through the final yellow and not make that last pit stop. So Grosjean got buried deep in the field, yeah. you know, as, as did um, somebody else was right up there. Uh, escapes me right now. Was it, was it Hunter Ray? Hunter Ray was right up there and got, got buried. Yeah, I think Rossi was another one because Rossi. Ross, yeah, Ro- yeah, too. yeah. Yeah. Rossi got Rossi got caught out. So, but to believe Erickson out front with, uh, in a closing with, lips with Connor Daly or not Connor Daly. I'm sorry. Colton Col- Herta giving good chase. He was literally the only car that could cut a deficit all weekend. He just had to, he just had it dialed in and then about 12 to go in that hard brick corner passed down the tunnel. I mean the bridge, excuse me, tunnel. I don't know what I'm thinking, but and then Herta locked up, made a mistake, and that all she—that's all she—that's all he wrote for Herta. He kind of overdrove it, and then five laps later, he hit that barrier in the same area where he kind of lost the race. It hardened the wall for whatever reason. It really gave me some Senna Monaco eighty-eight vibes, minus the fact yeah. that it was not a forty-five-second lead over no. on, pro, on pros. But it's just how perfect that week was, and then all all if to go awry. It's like once it, it's been the tale of all season. The man, the car to beat, finds ways to lose in heartbreaking fashion. That's been the theme all year long. Yeah, well, like I said, this whole race came down to strategy mm-hmm. because Erickson's strategy of crashing on five laps in 
work well against Curtis' strategy of crashing with five laps to go. Yeah, they brought up a quick. Oh, come on. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to laugh at that. No, I, I I understood the joke. Like, yeah, do it in the first five, not in the last five. Yeah, yeah. But as I say, like late race red flag, then it helped, and then Dixon had was in position, probably maybe stealing one. But Eric's just had a stronger restart. Just Dixon couldn't have found anything, and Erickson, the one who flew up in the air, probably sustained suspension damage, definitely front wing damage, won the race. And that's like the second time I've seen essentially a red car win. The other one being Eric Jones in the clash 2020. Yeah, you got you gotta admit those those Delars are pretty tough. They, they, yeah, they really are because we we've seen them, we've seen them take a good slapping and still continue. But so I want to talk about restarts, okay? Because that's been kind of like the prevailing topic. Um, that if they would have kept the restarts on the bridge where they did the initial start we wouldn't have had quite as many issues. Now, this is this is actually backed up by some data. If you look at the fact that the, the support races, the Trans Am race had their restarts on the bridge and they ran relatively um, trouble-free. The SRO races had their restarts where the IndyCar racers did, their, their, that being in the stadium section, and they ran of the bulk of their laps under yellow as well. So, I mean, so there's definitely some, uh, something to that. And at the same time, I gotta, you know, I got a side with Sebastian Bourdais, uh, who was almost in tears when he was knocked out of the race because this has happened to him a number of times. And it's the, it's the, the, the short track, let's check up the field before we go and, and, and according and affect them all that causes this nonsense and you've got a really short straightaway there before you have a turn there in front of the stadium section. And it just literally, I mean, there's no sense in that. Yeah. It's, it's a weird system of some of these areas where they started restart. And for that one, I think the only concern of doing the restarts on the bridge is that nobody sees it. And of course, you want people to see the start finish like some, but on restarts just to see what has what's going to happen. The only people that get to see something is those who are sitting through, especially the infamous grandstand six. But I don't, but I get your point. Yeah, I mean, because like I said, like the um, you know the SRO guys had the same struggles that the IndyCars guys did on restarts, where they would, uh, you know, kind of funnel into that first little turn there, uh, coming out of the stadium section. So I mean, at the end of the day. Sure. You know, IndyCar is going to get some input from the drivers. They're, they're going to look at widening some areas. Then maybe they'll move the restart zone. Uh, you know, um, some people have said that, oh, the track needs more runoff areas. But I think Bobby Rahal had the best comment he's, when he said, um, well, there's no runoff areas at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. <laughs> so, which I thought was kind of funny, kind of, you know, it's a little it's a bit of a straw man argument, but yeah, it was funny. You, yeah. you gotta, you gotta appreciate Bobby Ray Hall for that. But uh, yeah, but at the, at the end of the day, let's, let's talk about uh, 110,000 people weekend attendance. Um, the best television ratings for race on cable since sometime in the eighties. Uh, I mean, you've got to really kind of, kind of take that in and say, wow, you know, this is, 
th this event has a lot of potential that we do need to tweak the product on the racetrack on race day. So we don't piss away this potential we have, but, uh, but my gosh, the fans turned out in droves. And it, even, um, if you look at the, like the shots from, uh, you know, downtown on Broadway, not how many people were just there having fun and celebrating, um, and, and enjoying the party atmosphere, a wonderful event. True. I've just got to laugh because that's an, uh, that's an understatement because apparently the weekend, the race was sell. There's like, Dozens about dozens bachelorette parts, but that's a different story for another time. But real quick about the restarts before we transition to the crowd. Nash, the Trans Am race did all right for the most part. Stadium Supercars were able to get through okay. So I think it's just a matter of certain things work, certain things doesn't. But with the crowd, it was definitely a massive atmosphere five by far, I think. They hit a massive home run. The question is, is the follow-up here, essentially with some of the flaws that they dealt with. Naturally, when it's an inaugural event, you probably will have those. Is how will the second year go? How will the third year go? And so on. Will those people come back? Or because what they saw is kind of like, to some element, Crash Course TV and casuals tend to enjoy Crash Course TV. But those purists are the ones that are going to be more vocal about it because they want to see a good quality street race and then venue that'll succeed some people was even brought up well they could have gone to lebanon and run on an oval but the, the problem the problem is going out to lebanon and run the oval you would not attract that crowd yeah you know what i mean the, the, the you are there right there in the heart of downtown nashville um with, with just a bunch of a bunch of other stuff to do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you get, you want to walk away from the racetrack, you go right over that pedestrian bridge. You've got bars, restaurants, live music, um, you know, all kind of fun stuff to do. That that track in Lebanon is kind of out in the sticks, and there's nothing out there. And and you know, and we've and this is one of the problems with the oval races that they have such a light schedule too. They, they sometimes they have almost you know zero to no support races, and and it's just a lot of downtime and nothing to do. This uh, you know, between the fan zone within the course and the, 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 you know, the vendor activation area and sponsor activation area and the, the, the kid zone and all that stuff. And plus just all the stuff around there, uh, you know, it's, it makes for it's, it's, you know, it's a long beach, you know, it's a long beach or yeah. it's a Toronto. You've got, you've got that street festival atmosphere. Yeah. Maybe you don't watch the race. Maybe you go to for the party. Heck, you know, people go to, to the Indianapolis motor speedway, to, to jam in the snake pit, you know, casually unaware that cars are zipping behind them at 250 miles an hour. So, I mean, but, but to ease their own, as long as folks go there and have a good time, that's a win. That's money in the bank for the promoters in the series, but you're, ne you're never going to duplicate that out there at the Nashville super speedway. Yeah. And, and it's just one of those things where bring the people, bring the people, Water or not, and then Lebanon will probably bring more of the purest people as well. But it's just a matter of how many will show up for it, and and also support racing is vital. That's the thing about Nashville; they had support races of plenty, even in that big four-hour gap between form-up and the actual IndyCars. You still had SRO, the Vintage IndyCars, and Stadium Super Trucks, along with live music along the way. With the you same know, it thing, always it, 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 it always. Oh, they have stadium super trucks. Yeah. They're going to have IMSA and Formula Drift. Right. Yeah. Month. 
exactly. They've got all, they've got a full slate of stuff to watch or to do. And that's, and that what makes it successful as an event. Now, tweaking the product is, is, is the next thing here, because I know there's some folks that are very disappointed with the race. And there are some folks that are disappointed with the experience. And a lot of that is just growing pains with a new venue. Yeah, you know, again, with the, the you know street closures and the grandstands not completed. And, and but those are all things that they can take good notes on and they have a whole year to work on that. And, and I look forward to that. I, I believe this race is on a three year contract. So but I, I look forward to the next two and then hopefully they can go ahead and uh, sign on for longer, because I think Nashville is a great market for the series. Yeah, and it's and it shows not just uh, and it's just racing in general, like with IndyCar and then NASCAR as well. Especially all that talk trying to get the fairgrounds into the National Touring Series, which that's a whole different animal, which I believe is more doable compared. Well, I can't even say that anymore because North Wilkesboro is trying to be in the talks of maybe coming back as well. However, many years they've been saying that and still a topic, but for Nashville, hey, 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 you want to talk about a track with nothing to do around there, North Wilkesboro. Yeah. You know, it's, it's right up there with Darlington, is, is in as far as being in the sticks. You know, yeah, it's not that far away from me. Not that far. <laughs> yeah, Dar- Darlington, at least, is like what a 15 minute, 15 something minute drive from Florence. There's at least some stuff, Florence, just don't walk to a restaurant or to a venue to bring your own vehicle, get with some buddies or vice versa, or because there's no sidewalks. And that's apparently a thing in the South that I've learned this year more than anything else. Sidewalks are not a thing in the South. No, they're not. No, they're not. And if you do walk, you get arrested. <laughs> uh, or at least asked if you're okay. Asked if you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. You'd yeah. be better off driving your lawnmower down the street than okay. walking in some of these smaller Southern towns, but gosh, for yeah. what Gosh, we're way off topic. So now, yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, no. yeah, Erickson though, Eric, let's talk about Erickson. Okay. Because, and, and Richard, I want to bring you into the conversation as well. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about Erickson for, oh, this is his third year in the series. Right. And we've all Correct. had high hopes for him. And, and I know this particular one came with a bit of luck, although he did w- win a race fair and square on his own, but Chip Ganassi is now in a position to, take one, two, three in the championship provided Erickson has a few more good races up his sleeve. Um, you know, Dixon is right there. Dixon jumped from uh, fourth to second in the points. Polo is still leading. Um, last time the, you know, the same team had one, two, three in the championship, I believe was 1994 with team Penske with um, little Al Mo and Paul Tracy. So this is a, this is momentous for, both Erickson and Chip Ganassi, if they could pull this off. Now, now, Richard, you followed Marcus and know him pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's talk about Marcus a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's what you call a solid, you know, a solid driver in the European scene. You know, he junior categories. He didn't really dig up any trees, didn't do anything amazing, but he did a good, solid job. <coughs> Excuse me. Had. Uh, had an opportunity there with I think it was Sauber there for a couple of years, and I think he may have even done some races for, for was it Caterham? I think he did a couple of races for or some races for. I, I, I may be mistaken there, but you know his his whole Formula One career was spent pretty much at the back of the pack, unfortunately. So it's difficult to really quantify the the, the guy's ability, but you know, as anybody that anybody who can get into Formula One is a very 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 talented driver. 
And, you know, he's maybe, again, one of these drivers that sort of succeeded outside of the goldfish bowl that is Formula One. And I think he's doing really well uh, in, um, you know, in IndyCar. And he's, he's starting to get on top of it and he's starting to understand what it takes to, to be competitive in the series. And, you know, he, probably the championship may be a little bit out of his grasp this year. I think it's probably between the top two, but obviously it depends on, you know, he could have a couple of really good results and he can be right back in there, but he's in a big team. He's in a well-structured team. He's in a well-organized team. It's probably, you know, Ganassi Penske are probably the two most, oh, I'm not saying this in neg- you know, a negative way, too much Formula One-like teams out there in terms of the professionalism and their engineering resources and their execution. So I think it's a good fit for him. And yeah, he's starting to, to get the job done. You know, was he lucky in Nashville? Yes. But you can also say this is the guy that held off Colton Herter for a dozen laps or so at least and forced Herter into a mistake. You know, at the end of the day, if Herter had been out leading by himself, you know, by 20 seconds or whatever it was, I don't think he would have made that mistake. The only reason he made the mistake is because, um, you know, Ericsson basically made him make that mistake by pushing, by, by driving incredibly well. You know, they had that car set up perfectly for defensive driving. You know, it was pretty slick, um, you know, down those two long straights there. So it was very difficult to get in the toe. Um, he wasn't having to use the push to pass, which certainly helped him conserve the fuel mileage there towards the end of the race. And, um, you know, he was, he was solid in the, uh, you know, in the, in the, the areas of the track where Herder was quick, but Herder was unable to get past him because Herder was quick in the slow sections and the, the, the twisty sections of the track, if you like. So yeah, I, I um, did, I, I did, I did remember reading that, uh, Erickson was running a, a lot less rear wing. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Well, for a long, for part of the race, he wasn't running any front wing. So no, I'm, I'm talking about the rear, 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 rear yes, wing. Yeah, rear wing. He yeah, was running he was, less he was skinny, yeah. less, less rear wing that 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 enabled him to just build that gap on those long straightaways. Which you I know, mean, you from, could, from from a setup standpoint, it was brilliant when you're in front. Yeah. Oh, and you and and you saw it. You know, you 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 clearly saw that. Um, you know, the guy was 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 doing a. You, know, you could see from like the camera, the, the, the sort of helicopters and the like that, you know, even without using push the pass, he was pulling away from Herta, who did have push the pass. So, you know, they, they set up the car perfectly. And, uh, you know, you just put it in that position and get it done, you know, and that's exactly what he did. So I, I don't buy this 
you know, concept that he was lucky. I mean, he was lucky that he survived that initial impact with Bordet, you know, without a doubt. But beyond that, the drive itself was, was a fantastic drive. And he, I, I don't think Herter lost that race. I think Ericsson won it because he put Eric, he put Herter under pressure and, and he made mistakes and he, he got the result from it, you know. So, uh, you know, fair play to the guy. Exactly. You know, I like your comment when you said, uh, you know, if you make it to Formula One, you're one of the best drivers in the world. Because you know, a lot of times I read these comments about what they call Formula One rejects. No, please. And, and this yeah. and this this goes all the there's way. There's also yeah. This there's goes, also this, another word that people tend to use. It starts with Euro and ends with and, and yeah. ends. Yeah, there, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, this goes back to the days of say like Teo Fabi coming over and winning the pole at Indy. They said, "Oh, this guy couldn't cut it in Formula One." So, and it's a different over, world. Yeah, so he comes over to Indy, you know? and he's really good. So that means, does that mean that the IndyCar drivers are horrible? You could read it that way. You know what I mean? But not necessarily. It just means that the disparity in Formula One rides are. You know, if you're not in a top car, because Formula One is like anything else, a constructors championship and you've got the yep. uh, so who's ever got the best car is going to win. So if you're not in that best car, you're you're not going to win. You come to Indy where there's a bit more of a level playing field. So, I mean, for, when you call these guys rejects, you know, it just no. I mean, kinda, that, kinda, what, there's then, some I mean, that made the transition back to or vice versa. They went up to. Some of them, like Mansell, went. People would say it went down, but Card was at that point in the night. He's like good, it's close to rivaling Formula One as far as the top caliber. Sure, you had your your paid drivers that were your quote unquote back markers, but you also had that. You always have that in Formula One, but you also have that Indy car. On the Indy car side, it's just only really one or two, and they're mostly just the part time upstart teams. And then Zach Brown said it best, if I recall, if it was Zach Brown on Sunday, that when McLaren Racing bought 75% of the majority stake, S-T-A-K-E, not the food like I made on, the reference I made on Twitter, but (laughs) it's a driver's sport more than a team sport, but also also the team element in IndyCar, whereas Formula One is about the constructors and do what you can to help the team out. Yeah, and and, you know, it's interesting, you know, that that is also very much the mentality of a lot of, you know, all US racing series, you know, NASCAR probably more so than, than IndyCar. NASCAR, you know, you, you don't give, you know, anything about your teammate. You want to beat your teammate. You know, they will wreck a teammate at some of the small. Now, you know, the bigger teams, the Gibbs, the Hendricks, the teams like that, they've maybe got it together a little bit better than some of the smaller teams. But yeah, I've been in teams where, you know, I've talked to guys and say, hey, you know, this car did really good. And they're like, we don't care, you know. <laughs> so... It, it, it is a different sport and it's a different world. But you look at you look at Ericsson's background. You know, I mean, he had the guy had five years in Formula One. You know, you don't have five years in Formula One by being average. You know, he never had a stellar, uh, you know, GP two career as it was. Excuse me. I mean, he's only won. He's. I'm just checking his results here. I don't know this. I'm not. I'm not his biographer or anything like that. But you look at his history, he won the Formula BMW UK Championship in 2007. And in 2009, he won the All Japan Formula 3 Championship. But those are the only two championships he's won. You know, you look at 
he he came second in GP two final series, which was some offshoot of GP two. But you know, he came his best season in GP two was the sixth place overall. Um, you know, so it was never amazing. Had a solid career in Formula One. You know, had a dozen or so points based finishes. His best finish was eighth in a race, and then you know he's come over into to IndyCar and you know what I like about it he's done it the proper way he's done it the methodical way and and, you know he hasn't sort of gone about shouting his mouth off saying how great he is and how you know feeling entitled about being a Formula 1 driver in um, uh, you know in in, in IndyCar he's gone about it properly and he's done a really 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 good job of it so um, you know I've got it the guy deserves a lot of credit and you know give it you know maybe Maybe he's one of these guys that when, when Scott Dixon finally steps away, you know, and he, he'll be the one that could potentially carry that Ganassi um, mantra forward into into the future. I mean, you look at it, he's won. Uh, I mean, he's, I, I think I'm right in saying he's Ganassi's winning his driver this year. I think, you know, he's actually won more. I know his Pillow's won two as well, hasn't he? They're both yeah, equal, they're, yeah, they're, they're Dixon's two, yeah. the single two, winner. Yeah, two and two, and Dixon's won one, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's what I mean. They're 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 all three of them are uh, at, yeah at the top uh, of the you know, top of the order. Yeah, you look at Pelot's results and he's got you know a couple more sort of third and fourth place finishes than Ericsson. and you know on any other given day with a you know caution at the right phrase you know time it could be Ericsson that was top of the championship. So um, I think you know Ganassi have got two really good. Well, I mean Ericsson's what in his late twenties, early thirties now, so he's not a young kid, but they've got a solid excuse me, group for them to build on going going into the future. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. No, for sure. And I felt like this season was going to be a telling of how he was going to do because he was, he got better over time, but this season he's broken through big time, Marcus, because I felt like something tells me if he keeps it, remember, this is me, the dumb dumb who thought if Johnson is on par with Erickson, is it going to be a great strong season? Lo and behold, Erickson is the one could Erickson's yeah. a dark horse style contender where Johnson is struggling to even get a top 25 finish, depending on how the week goes or how many cars show up. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I was gonna say some of the some of the grids have 24 cars, so that that helps Jimmy out. His top quest, 20 quest there. for a top 25, yeah. But uh, so anyway, I want to back up a little bit because you did mention McLaren and buying the uh stake in smith peterson so they are essentially no longer partners with uh you know with sam schmidt and rick peterson correct they, they are the controlling uh, yeah mclaren so, so, so this is runs the so this is yeah this is 100 mclaren run now uh you won't see a bunch of changes you know outwardly but, but in, in, in inwardly you're going to see, um, you know, old Sam and Rick have a lot less input. Uh, you know, they'll they'll still be there. Uh, they'll still be, you know, helping with this and that. And we do know that Sam Schmidt is a fantastic development uh, or driver uh, coach in as far as uh, picking new drivers. But uh, they also did commit to the fact that the two drivers they have this year, being Felix and Pato, will both return next year with the possibility of a third car uh, for 2022 and a definite, definite three cars in 2023. So that's kind of exciting. That's another 
full-time entrant on the grid by 2023 at the latest, but perhaps a little earlier if we, you know, get some funding in there. So Richard, yeah. what, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, McLaren has vast resources, deep pockets and, and a wonderful racing history for them to totally absorb themselves in IndyCar at, at this point. Um, I, that speaks well for the series, does it not? Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, they've gone about it the right way. You know, there was that, the, the sort of the first time they tried to do it with Alonso when they tried to run him, you know, as their own sort of entity. And that just sort of fell flat on the face, didn't it? Uh, but I think it certainly helped that they've gone away and, um, you know, gone about this properly and are doing it methodically, if you like. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's great. It, it shows the series, you know, how they can... Um, you know, go about things the right way again. You know, I talk about drivers doing it the same way. They don't come in and are like, oh, look, we're going to come in here and dominate the series and be, you know, this arrogant sort of like, I'm the Formula One guy, you know, you can go and play your little IndyCar games over there. You know, they've come in and they've gone about it in the right way and they're doing it methodically and respectfully. And it's, it's, it's proving a point and it's working well to a certain extent with that. Um, so, you know, you've got to give them, you've got to give them a lot of credit for that. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really pleased. And I'll be honest with you, you know, they're doing better this year than I expected they would. I really am. I think they've, uh, um, you know, Pado's a, you know, obviously a very, very talented driver. Um, uh, but I'm still a little bit surprised that he's up there where he is, but you know, fair play to the guy. He's, uh, He's, he's done a great job and uh, yeah he's really he's really done a good job of coming into his own this year uh, yeah you know after kind of a rocky start trying to get into the series you know after he was you know, promised to ride and bounced out of it and sent to Japan and sent to Formula two and so and, yeah and now he's found a home and he, he's found some comfort there and he's he's producing results I mean he's still yeah. got a, he's still got a lot to learn you know he's still his talent is still very raw but he's also very young and, and I've got high hopes for this guy. Yeah. There's a lot that we could say about that as far as raw VKV in one and Colton hurt us still. We were talked about hurt a minute ago. He, he's just, he still has hey. some, some raw elements where mistakes are prone, mm. but when he's good, he's good. When he's meh, he's meh. It's yeah, kind of like mistakes. Mistakes are what cost you though, isn't that? You know, you look yeah. at it and you know, and uh, we talked about this before on the show, and I have my opinion. I, I know there's no doubt to my mind that Colton Herder is an extremely talented driver. Don't get me wrong. Don't 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 think that I have any beef with him, you know, outside of that. But there's just something I don't know. I is he this next superstar that's going to dominate the series for the next ten years? I, I just don't think he is. I think there's too many mistakes in there. And I know he's young. He's what 21 now or something like that. But you look at other guys at 20, you know, you look at you look at Max Verstappen at 21, never made anywhere near as many mistakes as this. You look at, um, you know, guys like George Russell at that age, you know, again, they make a few mistakes, but not as many. You look at Lando Norris, again, very few mistakes. That's the difference. The guy mm-hmm. makes two, to my mind, I mean, he's won... How many races has he won this year? He's won, he's won a race. Oh, he's he's yeah. got St. Pete. That's he's he's got, old. he has four career wins. 
And yeah, he's won, won one this year. Won, won this year, yeah. He won the season opener, yeah. And every time, eighth every, in the standings. Yeah, every time he's won, he's dominated. But the races he hasn't won, he's been an also ran. Nowhere. So, if, so I'm just yeah. looking here. So the, they have this, uh, you know, I'm just looking very quickly on, on the sort of race result page on LinkedIn. Uh, sorry, um, Wikipedia here. Sorry, again, I don't know if it's on top, top of my head. But they, they sort of, he's had one, two, three results so far this season outside of the top, basically outside of the top 12, uh, it was 17, I think they ranked that caller there. Um, or didn't finish, sorry. Yeah, so he's had three races this year where he didn't finish. And he's had another one, two, three, four races outside of the top 10. So he's had seven races out of 11 or 12 where he's been outside of the top 10. Uh, you look at Pullo, he's had two outside of the top 10. Dixon, one outside of the top 10. Award, three outside of the top 10. Newgarden, three outside the top 10. Ericsson, three outside the top 10. You know, Rahel, three outside. Uh, yeah, you know, he's making, the, the, yeah he has, those are the guy at the top of the championship. Yep. Exactly. You, you know, need that consistency. Just, yeah, he's nowhere on a regular basis. I mean, if BK had taken part uh, in, in Road America, he would have been ahead of, Herter in the championship, so Herter would have been ninth, just ahead of Takuma Sato. Um, so and I, Sato I, I, could be on his way out. Full yeah, time there's wise. something he just has to stop having these bad weekends and these just like weekends where he's just not at the races. Literally, um, you know, it, it's not. This, you know, kid at twenty one. Okay, he's been in the series three or four years now. Is this his third full time season or fourth full time season now? Third. You know, 19, 20, you, 21, yeah. Third. Yeah. So, you know, at that age, you need to be not making. I mean, how old's Pillow? Similar age? 20, 24, maybe. So, yeah, you know, 23, 24, yeah. Awards 22. And they're just not making the same mistakes on the regular basis. And I said, nothing against the kid. Nothing against the kid at all. I think he's a real talent. But something's got to improve if he is to be a regular championship contender and a regular point scorer and somebody that will push people, you know, you look at Scott Dixon, prime example. Is he the fastest guy out there? No. You know, I'd put Newgarden and Herter both in a category of somebody who is lap for lap quicker than Scott Dixon. But Dixon gets it done. You know, last three finishes, fourth, fourth, second. You know, he hasn't really figured in any of those races for a win, but he's got scored, you know, as many points as pretty much anybody in those three races. Yeah, you so rarely you rarely see Dixon mired in the back of the pack. Oh. Rarely. And yeah. So that's where Hurt has got, you know, yeah, it's great. Everybody be the superstar. Everybody go out and win win a race. But then if you're finishing 20th, 22nd, 2019, 13th, 16th, doesn't win your championships. All right, so I was <laughs> trying to think of a good segue from there. So let's uh, let's see. We got guy had one more thing to talk about from Nashville, but uh, maybe not. I don't know. So I think uh, we covered just about all of all of all of it for the most part, other than Hinchcliffe getting his first podium in two years, his first with Andretti, which is, which is probably probably seven. probably too little, too late for it to, yeah. to save a ride for him for next year. And I think I think that whole team 
and, and we've talked about this week after week, that whole team needs a little help. Uh, and, and I don't know if that's in the engineering department or the driver department, but they need, they need something um, to kind of change their fortunes. Uh, yeah, it's but, been a pretty much for the lack of better terms, almost an abysmal year for Andretti Autosport again. Yeah, yeah. So that I mean, that's and that is exactly why you're hearing the rumors that uh, you know uh, RHR is headed to IMSA and uh, DHL is going to be out of the series. Grosjean is likely going to end up in an Andretti car. I, I think Grosjean can bring a lot to the table there. Um, the the other Andretti car, I don't know who we're looking at there. Um, could be, you know, Kyle Kirkwood or, or somebody else. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But we've talked about this again and again. I don't want to take up all the time because we did have a cup race at Watkins Glen, which is one of my favorite tracks in the country. I wish, I wish NASCAR would run the full circuit. Maybe one day they Mm -hmm. will, uh, now that they've got a little more, uh road race friendly with their schedule maybe we'll see the run the full course at uh nashville but it wasn't it wasn't chase elliott winning it was young kyle larson despite a fight from chase elliott who started at the back yeah from what i heard in the very few that i saw because of course i was in nashville so the priority goes to nashville over Watkins Glen, but it looked the big thing that came out of that is that Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell tangled. Bell is not happy with Larson over it. Of course, these two go way back to the spring, the dirt stuff. So they've been very competitive. They've had a couple chili bowl classics, chili bowl duels. But this one is where Bell had a, apparently a great shot of winning uh, his second, excuse me, second cup race of the year because he wanted the Daytona road course, but there was a tangle Larson and, and went on to win. Chase Elliott tried to give it his all after 30 race because he failed pre-race. Gustafson got ejected, 10 point penalty. So Elliott had his work cut up for, and the fact he was able to get it back to the top, to the top three was admirable. But at the end, Larson has had his own different zip code. He finally got it together because there was after the flat tire at Pocono, he, he's been relatively on the low as far as performance is concerned in my eye. So, so Lars is back to his winning ways, and we'll see how he does at the Brickyard and the Knoxville Nationals while at it. So I guess the, I guess the bigger story coming out of here is that now Kyle Larson has taken the lead in the points for the equal with Hamlin. Okay, well, well, he's going to be leading well, uh, leading on tiebreaker because he's won race and yeah. Hamlin has it. So, and this is the difference between Hamlin possibly being in the chase and being out uh, because if we have a couple more new winners, are there enough races left to to lock them all up with winners? If a repeat mm-hmm. winner happens at Indy, Hamlin is in by points no matter what. Right, but if we have a new winner at Indy and a new winner at Daytona. Don't forget Michigan and Michigan. Yeah. I was thinking there's three left. If we have three three new winners, winners, we have three new winners. Hammond could realistically be on the outside looking in. uh, As long as Hamlin isn't one of those winners. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That goes without saying Richard. (laughs) (laughs) I I still feel like Hamlin is safe. I think I still think it's either going to be Hendrick or Gibbs winning those. 
And I'm not going to count out Austin Sendrick either. Because if Sendrick's his last cup race for the year were to, win, were to be in the mix like he was at Road America, nothing happens to him, and somehow finds a way to win, Hamlin should be in by points no matter what. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Cindric wouldn't be eligible. Yeah, Cindric wouldn't be eligible. No. It'd, it'd be the, but it uh, helps Hamlin. So. It, do, it does help Hamlin if a guy, yeah, that's that's not doing the full schedule wins the race. So, but I mean, if you think about who's, well, I mean, what other winners do we have out there that could possibly knock um, Hamlin out? Number one that comes to mind is obviously Kevin Harvick has won this year. Harvick could mm-hmm. cer- certainly notch a win and uh, knock. Denny out. Um, who else? There's always Daytona. Um, could be for all. Yeah, we know. could be anybody. Yeah, uh, Daytona could be anybody. Eric, yeah. Could be Eric Jones or Bubba Wallace. And that question will come if, say, Hamlin is holding that final spot via points. There's fit. Would he help Bubba win, or would he be a man for himself? I would imagine he'd be a man for himself, trying to battle all out. If Bubba has a strong car in the four in the in the firecracker. Or the Coke Zero Four Hundred. Yeah, that's a tall order to to put Bubba in the lead of the race. These those guys have been, they, I mean, they've been okay, but they've not been threatening to win a race at all. And there's also, of course, the Benedetto with, with Super Speedways. He should we'll see once they tone rolls a lot, but I don't see how Hamlin misses the playoffs at this point. I think. Yeah, but it, yeah, but 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 it, but it could add, but it could happen. So true. So anyway, so we are going to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where we've got the fantastic weekend with the Indy cars and it's Xfinity Indy cars and cup cars all sharing the bill. We've got the uh, double header on Saturday with the Xfinity and the Indy cars. And then the, the cup guys have Sunday. So this will be an interesting weekend. We've got a really big field uh, for the Indy car race. I think we have 28 guys in there. Yep, with the Top Gun Racing returning, Cody Ware doing the double cup in IndyCar, and then Christian Lundgaard will Christian drive the five car. Yes, he's going to make his debut there, yeah. Plus, uh, Elio's going to be running there as well um, in the, the other Shank car. Yeah, so the nice big field for, for IndyCars. Um, so th- this should be a really fun weekend to watch, and the Cup guys have traditionally run the Oval, um, and some guys are saying, oh, well, we missed the oval, but well, I mean, y'all haven't run the road course yet. So, but they, I mean, they're trying to, the Brickyard 400 was a huge success. The first dozen years they had it. Uh, but then the attendance started to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. So they're kind of throwing everything they can at it. And this putting the cars on a road course is their latest, uh, thought. So I, I'd be interested to see how it goes down. I, again, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm on record as saying time and time again, I enjoy cup cars on a road course. So I'm kind of looking forward to this one. It'd be curious to see how that whole thing will, will unfold. But yeah, because I go back to that debate. It's like, it's interesting hearing some of the comments where the cup drivers did they about the oval as, and also the crown jewel status. Cause I know I, I tweeted about a month ago, whether or not, you consider the Verizon 200 as part of a crown jewel or no, because it's a road course it's not the oval anymore. So the Brickyard 400 as a crown jewel is dead. It has sparked a lot of debate. Some people say Bristol night race and, and all of that. To me, the crown jewels are the 500, the 600, the Southern 500, 
And the big debate in the fourth one, because the brickyard was there. The brickyard was together, yeah. I, I, I've never heard I, them called crown jewels. I've heard them called the majors. Yeah. Yeah. True. And if with if with the brickyard 400 not being a thing anymore, it's just the Verizon 200, I put Talladega, one of the Talladega races. The only reason why I put a Talladega race is because it goes back to the original Winston Million. But people yeah, can I add think, a fourth I, I think, or a fifth now. I, I think that putting Talladega in there is completely appropriate because that's that's the track that, number one, still packs a great crowd, and, and number two, still puts on a great show. So, um, You know what, though? It's creating something for the sake of creating this whole concept of, uh, you know, the crown jewels or the grand slam or whatever it was. You know, they're just races, you know. It's when one race becomes more important than the other. That's when you start to devalue the other races, which I think is the problem NASCAR has. It's a problem that IndyCar has. Yep. And we've okay. talked about that on this show before, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. All right. We've got a couple of minutes left. Um, now, we do want to mention, like Richard, you had brought to my attention earlier, Valentino Rossi. Yeah. Valentino Rossi, although he's not usually a guy we follow, but uh, in the world of motorsport, he's uh, certainly – very accomplished uh, motorcycle yep. racer, and he has uh, announced his retirement and his intent yeah. to his intent to drive uh, cars going forward. Now, yeah, Richard, I mean, yeah. The, the 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 phrase and the the, the notion <laughs> that uh, you know a driver can be considered or a rider in this case can be considered a legend of this sport is 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 a you know I think it's banded around far too often, but um, I think that Valentino Rossi and the 25 years he's been competing in MotoGP from the 125s through to the current MotoGP series, you know, he's, he's entered by the time he's finished his career at the end of the season, it'll be over 425 races. And I doubt he's going to win any this year, but he'll have won over 115 of those. So pretty much a one in four win ratio is a phenomenal achievement. And, uh, you know, the guy's, as I say, a legend of, of MotoGP and a legend of motorsport. Um, you know, he's done so much uh, for the sport of, of, of um, you know, uh, uh, the two-wheel variety. Um, and, you know, yeah, the last two or three years, he hasn't really been on it. Um, he hasn't won a race since 2017. hasn't won the championships in 2009, which is incredible to think he won. He won his first nine championships within a like 15 year span, and the last 10 he hasn't won anything. Um, but yeah, he's been a phenomenal, you know, um, figure for the sport, really, and how he's carried it and how he's gone up against so many other great drivers in that time and 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 beaten them and you know out outlived them, if you want not figuratively, but you know, their careers anyway. You know, guys like Casey Stoney, you know, phenomenal driver who beat. Rossi for a couple of years and then, you know, went up and retired because, you know, but Rossi's just stuck to it doing something he's loved. So, um, you know, and he has done, you know, he's driven Formula One cars in testing events with Ferrari and there was a real serious consideration around the time when he was involved with Ducati uh, in the early 2010s of him going to um, uh, Sauber for a year and then potentially moving up to the Ferrari seat. Uh, you know, there were some very, very serious discussions there that got pretty close to being signed. Uh, he's done the Rally of Great Britain. Uh, I know he's talked about doing Le Mans or wanting to be involved in Le Mans as well. Uh, so the, the, the guys, uh, you know, he's a 
petrol head for want of a better word and uh, yeah I think he'll do you know he's gonna take up uh, you know four-wheel racing I think a little bit more when he retires um, but he's it's gonna be great to see it'll be interesting to see what the next chapter in his career is I could easily see yeah. him see him seeing seeing him walking right into a uh, you know WEC team or an IMSA team and contributing yeah contributing immediately so but my favorite valentino well, rossi story has nothing to do with valentino rossi and it it, it happened during the 2016 Indy 500 right after alexander rossi had won the race and i was uh you know coming down from the media center trying to make my way in the victory circle and you know there are a lot of folks who they're pushing and pulling and and you know alexander rossi was largely unknown i mean i knew who he was from his Formula One days and his signing, signing the contract with Andretti. But I heard a guy behind me who was, yeah, he wasn't a journalist or, or a thing, but he was, he was there at the bequest of some company's hospitality. And, and I just heard this guy say, Rossi, isn't that that motorcycle guy? So I, so, so that just, that just shows you how ingrained that name Valentino Rossi is, uh, you know, whether you really follow motorsports or not, you know, it's like everybody, yeah, you might not watch football, but everyone knows at least one football player, right? Yep. You know, or you it's, might you might not watch um, basketball, but you've heard of Michael Jordan, you know, so you might not watch a motorcycle, but you heard of Valentino Rossi. So Yeah. And I didn't realize this, I'm just reading this that Rossi actually drove a uh Carl Bush's nationwide car in 2013 and uh set a lap time of 185 mile an hour average speed, which would have uh, said here qualified him in the top 10 of the uh the ex or the whatever nationwide races it was at the time so uh he's, he's certainly driven a lot of four wheels and uh i'm not saying we're going to see him in nascar anytime soon but he certainly had experience of it absolutely all right uh, so we've got actually no time left but i do want to <laughs> <laughs> do want to go around the table and let's make some picks for uh the uh both the indy cars and the nascar races racing on the same track and uh louise i'll start with you Grosjean pulls it off in the big, big machine spike coolers Grand Prix. And as far as the cup race, let's go with Truex. All right. Now, Richard, your thoughts? Uh, after bashing him, I'm going to go for Colton Herder winning the uh, IndyCar race. And ooh, let's go with Austin, Sin uh, Austin Sendrick to win the. Uh, he's he's do That is his last race, isn't it, in the cup series this year? Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, he could uh, upset a few people by winning that one. He certainly could. All right, I'm going to go with a guy who's kind of got his job on the line, but who's really knows his way around the Indianapolis road course, and that's Simon Paginot, uh, because yeah, yeah. Penske is due for a good day. That's for that's for sure. And I think Simon's the guy to give them that. And in the cup race, I, I'm going to – it's hard to go against Chase Elliott on a road course. Um, even if, even if he gets a penalty and starts in the back, but so I'm going to go with chase. Uh, but with that being said, guys, we are out of time. We're in fact in overtime. So our green, white checker will be, thank you, Richard. Thank you, Louise. I want to thank the Hoobazoo radio network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google podcast, and YouTube. And, but most of all, I want to thank you folks for listening to us until next week. Good night.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 